Hey friends, Dave Hagen here. In the second show that we ever did, we talked about the five steps to financial success. Do you know them? Didn't think so. Let's revisit that today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here's your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. You know, we have so many more listeners to the show than we did way back when we started, and yet in the second show, we talked about the five steps to financial success. One of the key components to what we talk about and what we're about here on the show. We must have spent seven or eight episodes breaking down all the different elements, unpacking them, if you will. But there was one show where I summarized those five. Let's go back to that, revisit that so that we keep it fresh in our mind. Here, listen in. Here's your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. Now, I know a lot of the listeners are thinking, how do I get started on this road to financial security? Well, the answer is simple. You take the first step. Years ago, there was a book called The Complete Book of Running, written by a guy named James Fix. His book was one of the initial books on running that started the jogging craze in the United States back in the early 70s and later in the 80s. It's kind of ironic that he died of a massive heart attack in 1984 at the young age of 52, but that's another story. I remember in an interview, someone asked him, what's the hardest part of running? He thought about it for a minute and responded, the first step. And in so many ways, this is so true. The first step is the hardest. Each successive step gets a little easier until you establish a rhythm. Before you know it, you're cruising along smoothly. And ultimately, you reach your objective before you even know it. The same is true with starting your path to financial security. The first couple steps are really tough. After that, you start to develop a rhythm, and before you know it, you've arrived where you want to be, financial freedom. I don't want to make this too complicated, so I've broken it down into five simple steps. Too many times I see people making personal financial planning too complicated. If you talk to friends or family about financial matters, they'll tell you that you need to get in touch with the latest financial guru or the hottest financial advisor. Now, maybe you'll want to talk to a financial advisor later, but for now... All you need to know is five simple steps to get you where you want to be. Some of these steps may be simple or even obvious. However, many times it's the simple and obvious things which we so often overlook, which are the most powerful. This is why I presented the material in this matter. Step number one, get rid of the cards. The first thing you need to do is to get rid of your credit cards. You can accomplish this step tomorrow. Your first step can be sudden and powerful. Now, there's several reasons for this. First, we've got to stop the bleeding. Credit card spending is really too easy to do and as a result, too hard to control. Studies have shown that people who pay cash for items spend an average of 12 to 18% less and have a propensity to be much more critical and astute purchasers of goods and services. Second, if you're living on your credit cards, it makes it extremely difficult to understand where your money's going. This is especially true if you're using several credit cards over the course of a single month. You just don't know where your money's going. 
Third, credit card spending is the most dangerous place to accumulate debt, and it's where most people get caught or stuck into trouble. The interest rates are, by definition, much higher than ordinary loans. Further, they lull you into paying the minimum monthly payment, which essentially means that you have a high interest, long-term loan. Who would borrow money for dinners at 21%, which then takes more than 25 years to repay using the minimum monthly payment? It just doesn't make sense when you think about it. Now, I'll talk to you about keeping one or two cards around for later, perhaps, but for now, get rid of these credit cards. You don't have to cut them up or close the accounts. In fact, that may not even be advisable. If you cut up the credit cards and later need to use that account for some extreme reason, you wouldn't have the card around. If you close the account, the credit will not be available for you if you ever need it, and you may actually end up harming your credit rating. Not that that's a very big thing anyway. But for now, just get them out of your pocket so that you're not using them any longer. I'll spend a whole podcast talking about how to deal with these cards. Stay tuned. But for now, just get them out of your pocket. Now, while you're at it, look for automatic payments or recurring charges on your credit cards. Businesses love to have the authority to charge your credit card every month. This way, it's extremely difficult to review what they're charging you, and because you're not reviewing the bill before it's paid, you have a tendency to overlook any miscellaneous charges. I get it. Keep the Netflix charge on your account. It's only 10 bucks and a cheap way to entertain yourself each month. However, are there any others? No way! I'd rather have them send me a bill and make me feel the pain of cutting a check each month. Again, I'll spend a whole future podcast on the negative aspects of credit cards and automatic monthly charges. But for now, get off the automatic charges and get them out of your pocket. Step number two, know your flow. In order to fix anything, you must first understand it. To this end, you need to understand your monthly cash flow. This step can be completed in as little as 30 days. Looking at your income and expenses for one month will give you a pretty good idea of what's going on. First, you need to know what's coming in each month. This includes your gross and net income. When I sit down with people many times, I get a kick out of the fact that they don't even know what their gross and net income is. In fact, sometimes they don't even know what the term gross or net means. By the way, gross is what you make and net is what you bring home. You should also know if anything's coming out of your check other than state and federal taxes. Sometimes an employer will have you making contributions to things or taking deductions that you don't even know about. You should also know if you're getting money in from any other sources, such as gifts, interest on investments, etc. Those with their own businesses are going to have a little more difficult time, as you probably need to take an average of six months' income or so. They should then deduct the different business expenses that come out of the income for that business. What's left over, or what's put in your pocket, accountants call net income. Second, you need to know what's going out each month. You should chart, using general categories, what's going out each month for housing, utilities, food at home and away from home, transportation, including car payment, insurance, gas repairs, and registration, entertainment, both at home, cable, internet, etc., and away, drinks, movies, etc., support, insurance, if any, debt, but not a mortgage, vacation, retirement, and savings. It's not that important that you have the exact correct 
categories. Rather, it's important that you have general categories that will show you in a very general kind of way where you're spending money. I'll spend a whole future podcast talking about the different ways to do this. If there's any money left over, where is it? Is it in your bank account? Having something left over is really the whole key to things. Obviously, the simple answer to having money left over each month is to either increase income or decrease spending. Sounds almost too simple, right? The idea is to maximize that gap and to have that money working for you on a monthly basis. Again, this, this isn't that complicated in terms of general concepts. Putting into practice and sticking with it is the real challenge. A plan to increase income, or more usually a plan to reduce spending, is what most people call a budget. I'm not a fan of anyone going on a budget. A budget's like a diet. As soon as you're on one, you can hardly wait to get off it. Rather, I prefer to think of it as a spending plan. A thoughtful plan on where you want to spend your money each month. A plan to get you exactly where you want to be some years down the line. I'll spend several podcasts in the future talking about increasing income and decreasing spending. I could go on for hours and hours about this. For now, the simple idea is to develop a plan to increase income or decrease spending. What's left over is going to get you to the promised land. Step number three, eliminate debt. Once you have some money available on a monthly basis, the next step is to take that money and use it to pay down any unsecured debt. I'm talking about all debt, except for possibly a house loan. This, possibly, is the hardest step of all to accomplish. Repaying debt is usually for things and events that you've enjoyed in the past. Now you're paying for them. Now, it's not a lot of fun to pay down on things that you've already enjoyed. However, if you focus on the fun of having all the debt paid off, you might accomplish your goal and it'll help you stay in the game. This could take some time, but don't think in terms of five or ten years. That's not a productive mentality. Rather, think of how quickly you can get this done. You want to pay down the debt as quickly as possible. Don't think in terms of making minimum monthly payments. Think in terms of making massive payments in chunks on the debt. Think about this time in your life as a short-term transitional period. If you decide to drive for Uber for a year to pay down debt, use all the Uber money to do this. Pay down the debt like you can hardly wait for it to be gone. Now, there's different ways to pay down debt. They're called things like the debt snowball, avalanche, higher interest first, or even sometimes bankruptcy. I'll spend several podcasts talking about these different methods of getting rid of debt. The important concept here today is to understand that you want to make large payments to reduce debt in chunks during the shortest period of time. Work a second job for a while. Sell assets. Sell junk. Do whatever you need to do to get yourself out of this transitional and temporary period in your life. Every month you spend paying off debt is another month that you don't have to start saving money. It pushes your ultimate financial goals further away. Now, this step is going to take some time. Remember that the first step only took one day and the second step may have taken as little as 30 days. This step could take four months if you file bankruptcy or a few years if you're paying the debt down over time. The important point is that you choose how long this will take as part of your plan and that you stick with it. Step number four, set up an emergency fund. 
Everybody should have an emergency fund. This should consist of enough money to cover your monthly expenses for a period of two to six months. Experts differ greatly on how many months someone should have in their emergency fund. Because you're setting this up a little later in your financial journey and your debt's now paid off, I recommend six months. If you become ill, can't work, lose your job, or the economy just stands still for a while like it did after 9-11, you've got the ability to sustain yourself for six months. You know exactly what your monthly expenses are because you determined that amount as part of step two some time ago. The money should be held in the bank account, which is liquid and readily accessible. However, under no circumstances should you use it to acquire assets or spend it for fun stuff. It should only be there, gathering a small amount of interest, to be used in the event something unforeseen happens to you or your cash flow. Hang on, we're almost there. Step number five, put 15% into retirement. People tend to think this is very complicated. I've seen books with many chapters on IRAs, simple IRAs, Roth IRAs, KEOs, 401ks, and traditional pensions. This doesn't have to be that complicated. The important thing is that when you reach this step, you make a conscious effort to set aside, at the beginning of each month, 15% of your gross income for retirement. If you choose an appropriate plan, the money will stay in that account and grow tax-free. When you need the money in your retirement, you'll pull it out and have to pay income tax on that money. However, at that time in your life, your income will probably be less, so taxes will not be much of an issue for you. You don't need a super guru to get this done. You can go to any of the major brokerage houses like Schwab, Ameritrade, E-Trade, etc., and they can advise you which are available to you, and they'll set them up for you. You can put the money in every month in a low-risk and boring investment and only check on it periodically. It'll grow over the long haul and be very valuable to you someday. It's this fund, together with a pension from your employer, if they still exist, plus Social Security, if it's still around, that's going to be your financial security when you retire. Once you have these five steps completed, you're done. You'll be living within your means and won't have any debt. You'll have an emergency fund, and you'll be funding your retirement. Sounds pretty darn good, right? You'll probably also have extra money each month to do whatever you desire. Remember, this is the money that you're using to pay debt with some time ago. But you can't do this unless you take care of the basics I've discussed. You may want to buy a home, take trips, create some savings, which I recommend, by the way, and give to charity, which I also recommend. It all depends upon what's interesting to you, though. But you won't be in this position if you don't take care of business now, first, with the first five steps. Remember, your ultimate goal is to do whatever you want with your money. So let's summarize. The path to financial security need not be complicated. You need to take the first step now. The five steps to financial security are one, get rid of the cards, two, know your flow, three, eliminate debt immediately, four, create an emergency fund, and five, put 15% into retirement. Your ultimate goal is to do whatever you want each month with the money that you now have left over. This is Dave Hagan. All right, we're back to real time. I'm not a big fan of reruns, not on TV or anywhere else, but I wanted to reconnect all of us back to the five steps to financial freedom because I think that it's really important, especially for uh, those of our listeners that uh, have some debt.
and they want to get themselves to a place where they want to move ahead in a very powerful way. So again, one, get rid of the cards. Two, know your flow. Three, dump the debt. Four, get an emergency fund. Five, put 15% every month into retirement. And then do whatever you want. But have a plan. Have a plan. Decide what you want to do once you get yourself into a very good position. I want every one of our listeners to be able to know these five steps right off the top of their head. So if somebody walked up to you in an elevator and said, hey, do you know the five steps to financial success? You'd be able to peel them off. One, two, three, four, five. And that's why we're spending the time this week to go over those, think them through, and hopefully reimplant them uh, into your brain if you were an original listener or if you're hearing them for the first time. I think there's a lot of people that are listening now that don't go back to the original episodes. And frankly, some of our original stuff was as interesting and perhaps even more powerful than some of the things that we're doing now. So I want you to keep these five steps at the top of your mind. Go back to them. Visit them. Because those are going to be the keys to get you where you want to be. This is Dave Hagan, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, everyone. Hey, we've got a vocal email. Somebody used the voice pipe uh, adaptation on the website, thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com, and sent us a verbal email. Let's listen to that. Hi, David. My name is Erin. Um, so me and my husband are currently going through uh, an adoption. Um, we're adopting from India. Um, you know, we're looking at costs of about $30,000. I, you know, it's not, uh, it's not an inexpensive process. Now, um, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to scrape together funds for this. We're, we're a little nervous. Um, and our executive director at our agency suggested um, that if we really needed to, to, to put um, some of the, the costs on a credit card. Now, we personally did not feel comfortable with that at first, but I mean, we're, we're really hitting the end of our rope here, but we want to, we have a child, we want to bring our child home. Um, do you think that's a wise decision? And if not, what, what do you suggest we do? Wow. Aaron, you and your husband adopting a child from India, good for you. But if the question is, should you borrow money for an adoption? I don't know. I think that sounds pretty uh, pretty simple. No. On the credit cards? Certainly not. Um, you should already have a plan in place if you're going to go through an adoption and, and spend $30,000. I'd hope that you would have thought about this ahead of time and have some very specific um, plan in place. Uh, but your, your message also seems to imply that 
um, you're partially through this and maybe you've met the child and maybe you're emotionally invested. And uh, then the question becomes, what do you do in a circumstance like that? You know, I, I hate it when somebody's selling and they say, hey, if you can't afford it, uh, hey, put it on a credit card. Well, usually that means that you can't afford it or, or, or shouldn't afford it. I remember one time when I was a lot younger, I was test driving a car, just kind of, you know, goofing around and checking out cars. And the salesman says to me, well, it's this much a month. And I said, well, I could do that. But, you know, down payment uh, is not something that I could do. And the, f the first thing they says, well, we can get you a credit card and you could put the down payment on the credit card. Well, how am I going to make the payment and the credit card payment? Or I needed a car repair one time. And the guy said, well, you should really do it this way to repair it completely and fix it the, you know, the complete way. And I said, well, I, I don't have the money for that. And he said, well, we can get, a, we can get, a, get you a credit card. So I, I don't really like it when people say that. Now, that being said, if you're partially through this and you're emotionally invested and you've already picked out a child, now you're really in a spot. Now you're really in a spot because you've got your life and finances. You've got the child's life, I suppose, um, all set up. And what are you going to do about that? You're halfway through the process. Um, I suppose at that case you go to a credit card, although I'd, I'd rather see you, you know, drive Uber. I'd rather see you borrow money from family. I'd rather see you, um, you know, sell something, um, maybe, maybe come up with half of that through those means and put the second half on the credit card, something like that. But if you can't do that, if you really can't do that, and if this is something that really has to happen, oh, I guess, but it's such a last resort. But if you do this last resort, if you do go to the credit card and get the money, I definitely want you to at least have a plan to pay it off. Not, hey, when's it going to be, you know, when can we pay it later? The interest rate isn't too bad. No, 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 no. You really need to have a plan. How are you going to pay that off in the shortest time possible? And bear in mind that you're going to have increased expenses to take care of that child. Are you going to be able to take care of the child and pay the debt? It's kind of like when I went to, uh, uh, I was looking at the car. And the guy says, well, you can, you know, here's the payments on the car. And you can get the down payment on a credit card. Well, could I pay both? Had I really thought that through? I'll be honest with you. I hadn't. And I didn't do the deal, fortunately. Uh, fate, fate saved me from doing something that I really shouldn't have done. But um, can you make both of those payments? I mean, when my children were young, I remember that the costs of taking care of a child between um, extra care and diapers and food and all the you know, extra things that we wanted to do to provide an, an enriched situation for our child, it was really, really expensive. So I guess my advice would be, if you haven't started the process, stop it. Don't start it, I guess. Wait until you've got that money down, saved, you got the down payment or the, the full 30000 together. If you're in the process, now you've, now you've got a problem, you're really kind of stuck. You look at other ways to raise money, borrow money, um, do whatever you need to do. If not all the money, part of the money, please, at least part of the money. And if you really can't, all right, I mean, I guess, I guess you resort to the credit card, but have a very specific plan how you're going to be able to pay that and the increased expenses for taking care of the child. Hey, good luck with that. I hope that it all works out. I hope that this gives you some things to think about. Again, good for you and your husband for adopting a child from a foreign country. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing for you to do. This is Dave Hagan. 
and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.